the perception that people have of people with disabilities is that you don't have the power, but you do have power. Uh, also, you don't always have to advocate for yourselves. And if you can't, that is fine. Find somebody who can. So if there's somewhere you want to work, find somebody who is there and can vouch for you or talk about you. If you have a disability, maybe that you can't hide, then again, find somebody there to make a connection with so they can talk about your work worth or what you can do so that you don't have to always be your own advocate because I know that it is challenging and it is wearing down. And when you're in the job search, again, you can't carry all the burdens yourself. Life is going great until one day you're out of work. No matter how it happened, you need to find a new job pronto. The problem is no one ever taught you how to navigate the ever shifting and ever changing wasteland of applying for a job in the modern market. I'm Rob Conlon, and here on Recruiting Hell, I help people get jobs. I'm on a mission to help educate 10,000 job seekers on the best ways to get hired in the modern job market. No matter your field, this show is designed to help you level up your job hunting game and escape the many circles of Recruiting Hell. Step into my studio, and let's get you the hell out of here. This episode of Recruiting Hell is generously supported by our friends at CoinList, one of the fastest growing companies in the cryptocurrency space. CoinList is hiring. Visit www.coinlist.co slash jobs to apply. Tell them Rob sent you. Hello and welcome to Recruiting Hell. I'm your host, Rob Conlon. It's over a year later, and this show is more popular than ever. It's been incredible to see people come out of this show that have found meaningful employment because of our work here. There's still a long way to go towards our 10,000, 1,000, and then 10 goal for this show, but every mission starts small. Over the past 53 episodes, we've seen a ton of different strategies to try when it comes to making job hunting work for you. And it's been my goal to make the show as universal as possible when it comes to being useful for job seekers, not only in America, but also all over the world. Something that comes with a growing audience, though, is that sometimes we can't be one size fits everything for everyone. And that, that cuts both ways. It cuts both ways in the way that it's best for this show to give the most widely useful advice possible because that helps most people. But at the same time, the bigger we get, the bigger our listener niches get. Now, I'm going to speak plainly on this. I don't want anybody to construe me as anything but having the best of intent when I say this. I had a hell of a time hunting for a job this past year as a college-educated, white, tall, moderately handsome, male, 
with 5 to 15 years of experience and 11 customer service wards under his belt. I cannot imagine what it's like to be different than me and have to do the same thing. Like, just add one thing. Let's let's give me a dark brown skin, because racism is a stupid thing, unfortunately, and it still exists, which is just garbage. My job hunt got to be an even bigger pain in my butt because my skin color is something that some people don't like, and that is terrible. So please, listener, whether you are in the same boat as I am or you have some difference that makes your job more hunt more of a challenge, know that I see you and know that I will do my best to bring you resources as well. Now, in the past, we've visited topics like this with episode 38 and 45, talking about ageism and getting uh, a degree or maybe making your own degree when you lack one. If those are challenges that you have with your work search, they will make a great episode to listen to after this one. Now, the goal of this show and ones like it are to give segments of our audience that have additional challenges or hurdles to employment a bit extra and to share stories and ways to help make sure that your job hunt is as easy as possible if you have one of those challenges. Now, today we're going to talk about a category of job hunting that impacts roughly one in four American adults, and I'm sure similar numbers in countries around the world. Job hunting with a disability. Now, here to chat with us today about overcoming this challenge is the fabulous Tabitha Bartley. Tabitha and I met through a great mutual friend and, of course, one of our regular guests, uh, Chris Zahn, who you heard earlier in our season our, in our culture doubleheader. And Tabitha's here to share her story with us and bring us some new tips that can make your job hunting easier if you're a person with a disability. Tabitha, it's wonderful to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Definitely. It's, it's fun. And I, I love when these these networking and relationship things, you know, pay just huge dividends like this. This is so cool. So uh, here's to uh, here's to our dear friend, mutual friend, Sergeant Zahn, for connecting us in this case. So let's jump right into it, Tabitha. Let's start with the biggest question that everybody probably has in this episode. Having a disability makes you part of a protected class. Now, in your opinion, does disclosing that protection slash designation help you or harm you as a person with a disability in your job search? It depends on the job. That's, you know, it's a yes or no answer. When you're looking at federal as a disabled veteran, it actually helps you. Uh, The higher your disability is, or if you have a certain disability rating, you're more likely to get your resume seen, or you could possibly be a veteran direct hire. Now in the civilian sector, it's different, Um, especially not knowing what the whole job entails. If they don't fully know what your disability means or they have preconceived notions of your disability, there may be something that they don't think you can do in that job. However, you have learned how to adapt and how to do it. And so it's it's not a yes or no. I think that it's something that you have to decide in your job hunt. How Can you tell how knowledgeable someone is on that disability? And most times people are not very knowledgeable on disabilities, whether they're physical or mental, Or if you're somebody like me who you look at me, you can't spot my disabilities by looking at me or talking to me. I'd have to literally tell you about my disabilities. And so sometimes that may raise then questions of, are you disabled? So it it depends on the job. Interesting. And and that question of, are you disabled, is, is almost one of like, it's one that employers sort of have to ask so they can make reasonable accommodation but also it's it also feels like one of like the rudest possible questions like are you disabled like do you have a bit like yes but it, again sometimes i feel like that can be very aggressive for some folks uh when it comes to dealing with something like that uh, tabitha what, what 
what's a strategy that somebody can use to have their disability when somebody is asking, like, do you have a disability? What kind of answer should they have prepped for that? Especially if it's from HR to maybe make an accommodation. The first thing is nobody has the right to ask that question in a job interview or anywhere in the process. Your supervisor also does not have the right to ask that of you. The only person that you have to discuss your disabilities to is HR, and that's if you're asking for accommodations. And being part of that um, class of individuals who is protected means you can ask for reasonable accommodations. Now, obviously, there's some what's reasonable. Uh, that's, you know, that's depending, obviously, on how disability-friendly that organization really is. But you don't have to disclose your disability until you're hired and you need a accommodation and you still don't have to say what it is. You can just say that I have a disability and I need this accommodation. Interesting. Well, I last 30 seconds, I learned a ton about that because <laughs> the, it's, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, in, in my own job search, I've seen the, you know, disability checkbox and things like that. But I've never knew that, uh, that HR was the only one who you should be really talking to that about. Obviously you want to trust people and, and I'm sure that some managers and, and supervisors and, and hiring managers probably have uh, good intentions and good hearts when they ask about things, or maybe they've been asked by HR to come, you know, come talk to you about that. But, uh, that's the, the way you phrase that, that you should only be talking to HR about your disability and that you don't have to disclose what that disability is. That's pretty phenomenal. Um, th- and that's, I, I, man. What's crazy is I was in the Marine Corps, so talking about what physically right. or mentally was wrong was the normal. So going into the civilian sector, it was really strange to me. And when I actually brought it up to my superior, um, you know, it was in the first few weeks, I let him know that I'm going through my VA disability process. And he's like, whoa, stop right there. You don't have to tell me anything. Um, and then he was like, you know, if you need to apply for FMLA, he just gave me a little breakdown, was like, you, you talk all that through HR, um, and they will tell me what I need to know. And, wow. and so to have a superior who was so just knew his stuff and knew, and again, he didn't stop me in a, I don't want to know or anything like that. He didn't want to put me in an uncomfortable situation. Interesting. Well, it sounds like folks like that are kind of few and far between sometimes from what I've heard, but uh, it's interesting to have kind of an ally like that. And and that's, that's a very interesting thing. And of course, speaking of your, your experience in in the Marine Corps, I know that, you know, both you and uh, Sergeant Zahn, I believe you said the Sergeant Quantico a number of years ago now. And uh, tell me a little bit more about where your job story goes from there, from service. And then how does the disability tie into it? And and how did the disability like shape your job hunt post Quantico? That's actually, I mean, that's my story. My disability is my story. Um, so I served in Quantico for, for four it. years, and then I moved to mm-hmm. Columbia, South Carolina. At the recruiting station there, I, I did marketing and public affairs, and I ended up getting injured. I had a baby and shortly was injured during a hike where I had multiple organs fall out of my body, so organ prolapse. And obviously, I could no longer serve in the Marine Corps. Well, this disability had a ripple effect of physical and mental. And I had already previously had multiple hip surgeries um, and some other things that just kind of, the Marine Corps breaks your body down. And so for my job hunt, I didn't know when I was actually ending and leaving the Marine Corps moving to Indiana from South Carolina. So I was interviewing for jobs, but I couldn't tell them 
when I was going to leave, but I also couldn't explain why because I didn't want my disability to be a hindrance on them hiring me because I didn't know, I didn't know if it would be. And I, being a woman with young children, I felt like I had enough stacked against me that I didn't need to talk about my disability. I didn't need that additional perception to maybe hinder me from getting an interview or an offer. And so in my job hunt, I, um, I had a lot of difficulties. And I, I think we talked about this when we did our pre-interview, but, you know, going to an interview, I couldn't wear certain clothes because they hurt. So instantly from the get-go, my confidence is kind of, you know, torn down a little bit because I'm physically in pain, but it's pain that you can't see from wearing a certain type of pants that hits me in the wrong spot. I couldn't stand for more than 15 or 20 minutes. So I had to look at jobs that were kind of outside of my career field and more straight at a desk because I didn't know if I physically could do the job at that time. And I also wasn't technically disabled, so I wasn't technically protected at that time. That's another key point I think that is is very important for our listeners to kind of put in there. Like you, you have to have that protected status in order to enjoy the protected status. You can't just say, I have a disability. Well, you need to document. You need to, to get all the ducks and paperwork in, in order. Uh, Tabitha, what, what do you know about the probably more, more of the, the government side of that, but, it, but also the civilian side of that? Like how do you – how does one get documented disability? You know, how do you get that check mark, if you will? Yeah, and I obviously my my experience is more on the veteran side, and you have to go through the whole VA sure. process to get that disability claim, and that can take months. Um, it's taken years for some people. Um, sometimes not all your disabilities are notified. I, I luckily work for an amazing employer at a university who just knows how to act, um, and so they will take. Uh, doctor's notes for disabilities or medical needs and they're very proactive on that and that's that's good enough for them is a doctor's note or pre-doing fmla if it's potentially something that's going to be time consuming of you may need surgeries or something of that nature um for the civilian side process i i'll be honest i don't fully know um but it starts with getting a medical provider saying that this is a disability or a necessity Okay, so somebody who is maybe in this situation, whether they are are newly disabled or or perhaps have had something that they, that's been kind of keeping them down, if you will, for a while, should should not only you know seek seek a medical medical professional most likely, but also kind of ask that question of you know how how do I get this because this is impacting my life and impacting uh, my job search. How do I make sure that if I am truly disabled, if you if we arrive at that uh, that. I can enjoy some of that protection so I can, you know, live the best life I can. That, yes. That's, that's good to know. And again, you don't, in the job hunt, you don't have to say that you are disabled. And so that's not something you have to include on any of your applications. That's not something you, in the job seeking process, that you have to tell somebody. You don't. That is, you don't have to say you're disabled if you choose not to. Interesting. So that I think begs the question here. So we, we do an application, and at the end, it, it has those things, you know, are you a veteran? Are you this? Are you that? Do you have a disability? Now, are you saying, Tabitha, that I can answer that either way? Or, or what's, the, what's the deal there? Which box do I check? It's volunteer, so you can either choose to not fill it out at all, 
Um, you can say no again, because in that they don't have the right to ask that's medical information. That's a HIPAA violation. They don't have to get that information. Employers, a lot of them, if they ha- if they're federal, they have a certain percentage that they kind of have to have, or they will get if they do any sort of dealings with federal government, they get audited on how well they serve their disabled community that they have, the the employees they have. I recently just went through this interview where they asked how well my employer treated me when it came to my disabilities. And so at that point, obviously, like my employer knew I was disabled, uh, but I didn't have to disclose that information. For me, it was important once I got the job because I was seeking further treatment and I didn't want a perception of why is she out of the office to be seen a certain way. And I thought kind of how I live my life. I I just believe that perceptions really need to be challenged and I'm willing to challenge those perceptions. So I will, but on my own terms. Hey listeners, we're going to take a quick break here for some of the business side of running a podcast. These sponsors not only believe in this show, but they may have a product service or even an open position that can help you end your job hunt. Give them a listen and drop by their websites in thanks for their help in supporting this show and your work search. Hey folks, it's Rob. A lot of times on this show, we talk about the power of networking to find a job. Well, networking is exactly how we wound up partnering with our newest sponsor, CoinList. So you're asking yourself right now, Rob, what is CoinList? Well, CoinList is a San Francisco and New York City-based technology company that provides investors with access to the most cutting-edge investment opportunities in the blockchain and cryptocurrency space. On CoinList, investors can access the best new crypto tokens before they list on other crypto exchanges, and it pays to be early in crypto. Now, right now, they have two special offers for listeners of Recruiting Hell. The first, as a Recruiting Hell listener, you'll earn $10 of Bitcoin when you create an account and trade at least $100 worth of assets on the CoinList trading platform. That's right, you heard me, free Bitcoin. Just visit www.coinlist.co slash recruiting hell to get started. The second is something that could end your time in recruiting hell altogether. Coinlist is hiring. You heard me right. Coinlist could be your next great opportunity for work. Excited about cryptocurrency? Got a passion for technology? Find Coinlist's open positions today at coinlist.co slash jobs. That's coinlist.co slash jobs. And when you do, be sure to tell them Rob sent you. We're back. A big thank you to our sponsors for their offerings, as well as you for considering them. On with the show. Got it. Okay. And again, this has been so enlightening for somebody like myself. Again, I've never had to deal with a disability. And again, the reason we have you on is because, you know, I can't be an expert on everything. So you are just spitting fire here, which is awesome. <laughs> So I guess now this next question I had, obviously I I write these before uh, we do this actual show, but tell us about your first experience when interviewing for a job after your disability had become, you know, kind of solidified. What was that conversation like with the hiring manager? Did anything come up? Did anything, you know, what, what did that look like? Yeah, for me, it was a lot of subtle digging questions to really understand the job as far as my physical limits. And so although it was a desk job, I would would dig a little deeper in asking the questions of, you know, are there things that I'll have to lift, but maybe in a different conversation of how, how does the team operate and how much do we help people and just kind of digging to see if 
I can get anything like that from them, anything of kind of what the daily office work entails or what happens in the office that may potentially go past my physical like demand. Can I do it? Obviously, if it's not in the job description, then it happens in the job. It's not it's not my fault if I physically can't do it by any means. Right, right. But I also there was a I wanted to make sure that I could do the job that I was applying for and that I could kind of find my place because at the same time of going through these physical disabilities, I was facing mental disabilities that I didn't even know I was facing. And my mental disabilities were mimicking physical like seizures, um, complex migraines, Whoa. when really they were panic attacks, but I had no idea. As well as, um, and it, I was diagnosed with PTSD, so I had an issue going up elevators a lot of times or random things like that. So I would always show up very early and see if I could kind of assess the the building and were there enough exits for me? Was this an environment that I mentally felt like I could be comfortable in? Because that was such an important thing to my mental health as well. Got it. And you, you mentioned this, this anxiety and, and that's something that, you know, can not only be a disability, but it's also something that comes in very much so with the actual job hunt. You know, people feel anxious and, and I hate to use the word desperate because desperate had, Desperate has that that off taste to it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, he's desperate, she's desperate. That I don't. I, I don't know if I want to use that word, but I think I'm going to in this case. A lot of times, we don't expect to be like looking for work, and that puts a lot of stress on us. And maybe that's because we got fired, or positions eliminated, or we got complacent at our current job, and now it sucks, and now we want to find something else. When that sadness and sort of anxiety becomes too much, you know, which I'm, I'm sure for part of your journey, as you and I talked about, you know, it was really stressful trying to get, you know, a new position when you first were, were diagnosed with a disability. Tell, tell us about that and some of the strategies used to, you used to combat some of that, that awful feeling. Yeah. I, you know, I'll tell this, the story. There was this moment, um, that I, I don't like to say I was suicidal, but I understood how somebody could come to that point in their military transition and the job hunt and the trying to find your community and all of that. I, I had this moment where I understood how somebody could get to that point. And I had this amazing support system and I just, you know, I, I just kind of had a moment and I allowed myself to feel that. And then I was like, I can't allow anybody to go through what I went through. I don't have the power, I don't have a place, but I can do something. So while job hunting, I, you know, I, I also wanted to connect to the veteran community. So I created a space for women veterans. And in doing that, I found three other women veteran who had the same physical disability that I had. I'd never met anybody with that physical disability, anybody going through it. And so just that little act of I can't control all these other things, but here's one thing that I think I can control and I think why would I feel this way if I shouldn't do this? I'm just one of those people that I very listened to what's going on. And I did. And it was just kind of like at that moment, there was a support that before I didn't have. And so I think that that's very important when we're talking about disabilities, whether they're physical or mental, knowing that you're not alone and you're not going through it alone, you can find that community digitally. You can find that community uh, maybe in person, now, you know, now that the pandemic is is you know, more important person events, but 
sometimes it's not exactly what you can do in that work environment, but outside to help you in that journey. And I think that's really important. And that was one of the most impactful things for me. Got it. So that's almost something I bang the drum on on this show a lot about portfolio projects and things like that. But you, you did find those other people. And and one of the things that in anybody's job, it's easy to to you know shelter in place and cloister in and and kind of put up the walls and and man the guns until you know the storm passes. But I, I think you've got a great point there, Tabitha. Of of you have to find other people. You have to because if you're on an island, it really like that that's the killer that's the real killer is that folks are not are not getting the social interaction as human beings that they need so uh, i think you've got a couple pair of great strategies there to find the other folks like you but also to you know connect with them and do something with them as well good deal so another thing i wanted to talk to you about here and this was this was one i really wanted to learn a little bit more about when we were talking in our our previous call you talked about some research on how to apply for a position when you have a disability. And I'm really curious what that's all about. Can you enlighten us? Yes. So I, public affairs background journalist, so I yeah. Yeah. mean of Google and searching random things and what can I find? <laughs> and uh, so I was applying for positions at Purdue University and I was just kind of on Purdue's website, just like searching different units, different different things. And I came across a disability resource center that they literally have okay. on the campus, the university that I'm applying for a job for. And so I, I, social media, I think, is a great platform. So instantly I go straight to their social media because I just feel like more content's going to be there. And I found um, live panel discussions, Q&A of people with disabilities talking to students about how to apply for jobs while they have disabilities. And the range of, of guests was amazing um, and cool enough. Shortly after getting my position, they, they kind of did a call out and they were seeking a veteran and I offered to be on the panel. So not only did I get to watch one of their panels, I then got to participate on the panel nice. of finding the job search with the disability. And the resources and the, for me, I'm a very conversation person. I learn a lot more that way and hearing how somebody went through things and dealt through things. So it was really nice to see those conversations. And with the pandemic, I think there's a lot more Facebook lives or podcasts or different interactions where people can really talk through how they went through their search or how they did it. Um, and people who are way more knowledgeable than even I am on the laws and the logisticals behind it. Got it. And and that kind of a resource uh, is something that I think is, is so valuable. We'll make sure we put that in the show notes of this episode um, from Purdue there, because that, that I think is seeing the other other folks who face the same challenges as you and finding, you know, what worked for them and, and whatnot. I think that's a great way to move forward because it's like my old sales mentor used to say, who Sergeant Zahn also knew. <laughs> she said, take the best and leave the rest, <laughs> which is great. So, Excellent, excellent resource there. Now, another area that we often have listeners sort of wonder about, and this is, I get some feedback on this from time to time, like, what am I asking after an interview? And that's easy enough when you don't have, or not easy, it's hard enough when you don't have a disability, you know, that you are choosing to not disclose maybe at this time, or maybe you are disclosing that you do. How do you... What, what do you ask, I guess, in addition, when you are looking at the end of that job interview and they say, do you have any questions for us? 
Yeah, I, I normally, and I'm a very personality, I care really much about the team and environment. And I knew that that was going to be such an important place for me because of my disabilities. I needed people who knew how to work together, who knew how to problem solve. And so I very much dug, dug into the morale and the culture and how do they support each other. Um, that was a big one for me and the intangible skills. I feel like I have a ton of intangible skills and I can sell those all day. And that's where I think a lot of times with where my physical disabilities were, I have the intangible skills or the problem solving that I can figure out a way to do it. So I would very much dig into the team's intangible skills as well as kind of what were they maybe not so good at intangible that I could highlight myself, right? Because I'm not my disabilities. I'm not my disabilities by any means. Um, and so it was more about how can I sell all the positives about me and, and show myself that if I do need to talk about this disability, they know that I can already problem solve or they know that I can do this or that. And so for me, it was really important to get a feel for the environment, um, the culture, somebody with a disability. I have no issues talking about my disabilities, but I do have an issue of feeling like I have to justify them. Again, because my disabilities you can't see, I I don't want to have to justify what I'm going through. Interesting. And so with the 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 questions that they they ask, you know, hey, you know, usually you ask about 401k and things like that. Is there anything extra that really like is maybe an ace up your sleeve that you have for us that that would be useful to a, a job seeker with a disability today? Uh, so don't ask it in the interview. Ask it when you get the job. Ask it when the HR calls you to give you an okay. offer on the job. I, I don't ask any of those type of questions in the interview. I researched the company as much as I can before, which is kind of where I applied to the places I applied. I knew that they had good medical. I talked to people who worked there beforehand because that was so important for me to have a good medical. That was almost above salary in a way. I needed good medical because I know I have disabilities. Um, I need a good leave policy, sick policy. Is it short term? You know, how good is the sick policy? Because I'm going to have to use those days with my disabilities. I know that there's going to be doctor's appointments that I have to have to utilize. And so when you're talking with HR, that's something that can be part of your negotiation. And you don't have to say why. Yet again, you don't have to say why if you're not comfortable saying why. Um, if, you know, having more sick time is more important than money to you, then there you are, you have something to negotiate. But I made sure before I accepted the offer that I fully knew what the medical was that they offered because it was, I mean, it's, it was kind of life or death to me, not to be dramatic, but it, it was, that was something that I knew I couldn't accept a job if the medical wasn't good enough. Got it. And again, there's that there's that sort of special rule: only talk to HR, and you don't have to disclose what your disability is. Uh, and I think that maybe begs kind of a little bit of a follow up here. We we talk about the phrase reasonable accommodation, and in in your experience, Tabitha, does that with companies that you're that you've dealt with has that been a, a problem point, or has it been a little bit more of a like, yeah, we're on board with you. So with my company, it's not a problem point. I've They've been fully accommodating and amazing. 
the issue is a bigger society issue of how we view disabilities and how we think about disabilities. How many jobs could somebody who can't see, can they apply for? How many jobs can somebody who's, who can't hear, how can they apply for it? How can they do an interview? How accommodating are we from the get-go to people with disabilities? Uh, not very accommodating. Um, I, yeah. I, when you look at a historic university or a historic place, how many places are handicap accessible? How many flights of stairs? How many exits are there for handicap? If there's just one handicap exit in a whole building, uh, how many handicap restrooms are on each floor? Are they on different floors? Does somebody with a handicap have to go all the way upstairs or all the way downstairs to access a restroom that they can use? So I honestly think it's a bigger picture problem that we're not looking at as we're on an individual level. Yeah, you ask for something you can be accommodating, but can you restructure a building? Those are just things that you can't do. Can you restructure parking? And so those were things that I, in my job hunt, was very concerned about at a university that has limited parking. Where is my parking going to be? Because I can't walk that far. And I don't have a wheelchair and I don't have any other way to get to the building. Inter- okay. That is, again, things that I don't think about because you know what? They're, they're, it's, it's something that just doesn't occur. And, th- and that's, that's wild of thinking that, yes, reasonable accommodation can be made, but it is a reasonable accommodation enough in some cases. You know, I, I remember when I was in college, you know, the campus was huge. Like walking across campus took 20 minutes and it was, that was a small college campus still, you know, I say huge and small at the same time, but you know, it was not a short walk from all the way down at one end to the other. And if you've got a a timer, if you will, on your physical capabilities, that's a, that's a massive problem. And again, you're right. I think it might be something systemic in that case. You know, what, what can we do and what can we ask employers to do uh, to fix that systemically? Really interesting. All right. Next question comes after you've maybe been hired in a new position. And what sort of action should you take? So maybe you've disclosed to HR that you have, you know, I I have a disability. I'm not telling you what it is or anything like that. What actions should you take or questions should you ask if you're starting a new job with medical issues or or disability? Uh, To your, do you mean to your supervisor or to like the company as a whole? Why not both? Okay. Uh, you know, let's let's tackle both. Yeah, for me, again, I am comfortable disclosing. So I, with my superior, and again, I almost tried to disclose to him, and he was like, hold your horses, <laughs> wait hold on up, a yeah. second, uh, <laughs> calm down on that one. But it was important to me because I felt like I was not people's perception of what it means to have a disability. I don't look that way. I may not act the way they think that somebody should with that disability. So it was really important to me to kind of be vocal about that and have a talk with him um, and and my supervisors that, you know, there may be days, uh, I'll try and let you know beforehand, but there may be days that I need to go to... So for me, mental, mental counseling was one. I needed to go every week and I... You know, I was like, how do I bring this up? But I don't want to just be gone every week. Like, to me, that's just like, yeah. what perception is are people thinking if they come in and I'm not here every week and they just so happen to come the right time every week? And so I had a conversation with him, letting him know um, 
just that like I, I was going through things and it was really important for my mental health to to go to counseling and I kind of said how it would make me better at my job and pointed a few of the errors that I had made, um, which later knowing that they were anxiety based of like feeling like I just have to get things done. So small errors, nothing major, but because I was so I have to get this done now. And I, I kind of use that to my advantage of saying, you know, I made this mistake, I made that mistake. And I've noticed that these are tied to kind of what I'm going through mentally. And so this would be a huge benefit and sadly I can only go during working hours because you know they don't make accommodating appointments <laughs> to the working <laughs> isn't, people um, isn't that terrible no. <laughs> so, I'm trying to help you be accommodated and I won't accommodate you <laughs> yes so um they deserve balance though <laughs> we, you know we had that conversation it was really good and it was never an issue and it was never brought up and I personally don't know if it's because I was proactive but I feel like it was or at least if there was any animosity or any interaction after that point that I felt like I had done my due diligence of more mentee to mentor looking at it that way, because Mm. I would say that it was definitely more of that relationship. It wasn't, you know, again, I'm not in a negative work environment. I think it would be a lot different and my approach would be different if I was in a negative working environment. I'm not sure my approach would be so nice, but that's probably the Marine in me. (laughs) (laughs) I know you guys can spit some pretty uh, pretty hot words there. Uh, so then I guess the question that this is like sort of a follow-up and maybe not quite related to the job hunting part, but when it comes to the, like you you informed your supervisor mentor, like, hey, I got to do this appointment thing because it's, it's good for me and it's good for the company that I'd be better and be my best self. Did he have to, to battle any of the, you know, any of your colleagues being like, yo, Tabitha is leaving every Tuesday or something like that. Uh, so maybe you work with good people, which is which is great. But uh, as I see you shaking your head, but if he had somebody who was saying, "Hey, man, she's always leaving. What the heck gives?" What's his answer? I'm I'm actually really curious about that. Maybe you you can't get inside of his head too much, but I'm just curious how he might feel that. I, I think it's as simple as is the work being done, is is the job being done, um, and he was. The superior, he thought in a way that I've never met anybody who thought this way. He would see like the whole process and he would see the good in all of it and how all these pieces connect. So I definitely see him more of a talking about the positives and the impact that I have on the team. I mean, he did that constantly with everybody. Um, And not that he was overly positive. He just very much saw how every little piece made it all move together. And he was very good about talking about the impact people made on the team. Um, and they come, you know, they, they complimented me probably way too much on the impact that I had made and the things that I was doing. Um, and so again, luckily I, I just ended up, I think in the perfect spot that I was supposed to be on that journey. And I'm really grateful for it because I, mentally was just going through and physically such a, a hard time. Sure. Got it. And, and, you know, that's, I like that you kind of described how he, how he may think, you know, kind of redirect somebody who's asking, you know, maybe those questions that sort of skate close to, you know, where somebody who was not trying to maybe wrong you might say, Oh yeah, she has a doctor's appointment or something like that. Like, can't do that. And <laughs> things like that. But I think the redirection there is great. So if anybody is, you know, a supervisor, there is your leadership nugget for the day. That's for sure when it comes <laughs> to uh, helping and handling 
uh, folks with uh, with disabilities and, and and the conversations and discussions around that. So, I have a final question for you, my friend, before the three little rapid fires at the end. What did I miss about applying for a job with a disability that listeners should know for their job hunt? I, I think the first thing is, no matter what state you're in, kind of research that state and know exactly kind of what your rights are. It does differ by some states. I'm in a state that could essentially fire you for no reason, and that had a huge impact on where I looked to apply. Knowing that I had a disability and knowing that I would probably need to tell them I had a disability at some point, I didn't want that to be why maybe I was fired or why they would maybe find some other reason to then fire me. Um, And so I looked in a stable environment because of that. Now, that's again, that's not everybody's case, right? We're all at different points in our life, and I I can't say that everybody could do that um, by any means, but at least be knowledgeable and know what your power is and what power you do have, because you do have power. I think a lot of times... The perception that people have of people with disabilities is that you don't have the power, but you do have power. Uh, also, you don't always have to advocate for yourselves. And if you can't, that is fine. Find somebody who can. So if there's somewhere you want to work, find somebody who is there and can vouch for you or talk about you. If you have a disability maybe that you can't hide, then again, find somebody there to make a connection with so they can talk about your work worth or what you can do so that you don't have to always be your own advocate because I know that it is challenging and it is wearing down. And when you're in the job search, again, you can't carry all the burdens yourself. Outstanding. And I have to have to laugh a little bit. I always try to put a little snippet at the front of every episode. I think we just found it there <laughs> from what you said, my friend. That was, uh, that jotted down a little time. They're like, take that timestamp for the beginning. <laughs> so we're in good shape. That was, that was excellent. Excellent, Tabitha. So, here we go. The final three questions, the ones that I'm asking everyone this season. And, of course, you know, you've, you've listened to the show before. They're usually one-word answers, which is awesome. Or you can go deeper if you want. Uh, so you ready? Ready. All right. Tabitha, number one, what is the number one thing you think is wrong with the way the modern job search works? People believe their preconceived notions and that their perceptions are reality. Wow. That's a new one <laughs> for for that question. That that is a super new one. I, lo- I love that. We're gonna compile all these at some point, which is outstanding. <laughs> next next question: What's the one thing you've seen with the modern job hunt that everybody doesn't do that they should be doing? Create connections. Don't network. Don't build a following. Just worry about connecting with people. Those connections. Those people. There's what is either going to get you the job or get you through to finding the job or supporting you through that entire journey. Just build connections. Got it. Good deal. Last one. What's your number one LinkedIn tip? Tell your story. Post what's relevant to you, your struggles, connect with people on a personal level. You don't have to post every single day. You don't have to follow trends or what is going on. Just tell your story. And I think that authenticity to yourself, like I know for my, my page and things like that, whenever I am my truest self, it always seems to just drive that engagement way up, which is outstanding. So I think that's a really nice little finisher for this episode, because whether you are 
a person without a disability or a person with a disability, the first part of both of those is person. And when you're yourself, you're that wonderful person. And there are so many uh, amazing people out there in this audience and things like that who are talented, smart, witty, fun, and, and everything else that you would look for in a great coworker or in a great hire. And I think that illustrating that is, is really what it's all about when it comes to LinkedIn. So listeners, make sure that you're doing exactly that. So it is the end of the show, Tabitha. We're wrapping it up here. If folks wanted to find more of you, what you're all about, and of course, follow you on social media, where would they look? On LinkedIn, you can find me, Tabitha Bartley, or on um, Instagram, not keeping tabs. Oh, the, oh gosh, now I have to follow that. <laughs> I really like that. That's super cute. Excellent. So not keeping tabs on Instagram and, of course, Tabitha Bartley on, on LinkedIn. All righty. Well, folks, it is uh, that time. And, Tabitha, it's been an absolute pleasure having you down here in Recruiting Hell, my friend. Thank you so much for sitting in the hot seat today. Thank you for having me. As we draw this episode to a close, remember, you are worth more than your work. Your value to society is not dictated by what you do to pay your bills. Job hunting is difficult, no matter your age, gender, location, or background, and it's both acceptable and to your benefit to seek every bit of help in conquering this challenge. For more from Recruiting Hell, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player or our YouTube channel, and don't forget to leave a review of the show if your podcast platform allows it. It's tremendously helpful. Connect with Rob via LinkedIn, be sure to visit recruiting-hell.com to subscribe to our newsletter. And of course, follow the show all across social media. Just look for the orange and blue flame logo. Recruiting Hell is a production of Westport Studios and is proudly made in Wisconsin. Lastly, be sure to visit and support our sponsors. They make it possible to do this show and make it better every single week. Remember, your job hunt is a marathon, not a sprint. And Recruiting Hell will be here to help you keep pace. Thanks for listening. Hey folks, it's Rob. Are you looking for a new opportunity in an up-and-coming industry that can help you get out of recruiting hell? CoinList, one of the fastest growing companies in the cryptocurrency space, is hiring. That's right, they not only support this show because they believe in it, but they believe that there's great talent to be found in this audience. Generous comp, great flexibility, incredible benefits, a strong culture, and a powerhouse team sound like a fit for you? Head to www.coinlist.co slash jobs and apply today. That's www.coinlist.co slash jobs. And be sure to let them know that you found them here on Recruiting Hell.